I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. It wasn't that long ago when things considered taboo today were part of our normal culture. If you think back to the 70s, what comes to mind for you? You may be thinking of the music of that decade, groups like the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin, or you may be thinking what many called a time of love, sex, and psychedelics. And that's the topic of discussion for this podcast. Sexuality and medical journeys with psychedelics may seem like touchy subjects, but should they be? And if used properly, are they really healing? I know I've grappled with this idea of psychedelics as medicine for a little while now. I've asked doctors and experts in the healing arts, and there are lots of opinions and perspectives on the subject. That's why I'm bringing on one of my favorite people to talk about these subjects. She's someone I greatly respect, and here are some of the reasons why. She's an icon in the fitness industry, holds a PhD in natural medicine, is a shaman following the Native American Hopi tradition, a Reiki master, and has studied under some awesome people like Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Bruce Lipton. She's also the first person to make their repeat appearance on this podcast. I simply can't say no to her when she has something to say. This is the story of sex and psychedelics with Dr. Stacey Berman. This idea of psychedelics, microdosing, Michael Paul and Tim Ferriss, all of these people, right? And I get it a lot too. A lot of the patients, especially the younger ones, come to me with some issues that, you know, they're going through some sickness, some ailments, and there's emotional size, and they feel that this will help them break through. Mm-hmm. I, I have always been conflicted, same as my father has always been. There, There is no panacea. This is not an easy fix of just take this and you'll be better and open your mind and suddenly see the world differently. Does it happen? Absolutely. But and I want to hear yours because you've really yeah. dealt with sham, shamanism yeah. and, and experienced that. But from my even understanding in, in shamanic kind of uh, rituals with this, it's sort of whatever happens, happens. You know, the shaman gives this to you. And if you bug out and jump off that cliff, that's what's meant to be, you know. And, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's, that's kind of, you know, rough. But, but it, you know, I, I, I don't know what people are kind of thinking and experiencing through this. So can you give your experience? Can you kind of enlighten us as to what this means to, to go on a medicinal journey yeah. like this? So, so medicine journeys, I think to your point that um, what I always tell people is you're going to get what you need, not what you want. Hmm. And so one of my last, um, the last clients that I took on medicine journey, she was like, I want to be a mermaid, witch, fairy. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) This should be interesting. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. (laughs) So the medicine gives you what you need, not what you want. And while having a bad trip is never fun, what I can say is that if you're having a bad trip, those were emotions that were stuck somewhere inside of you that needed to come out. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> through the process of medicine journey, you almost bypass the conscious mind. So you, you, while you're in medicine journey, I mean, depending on how much medicine you take, but in all of the medicine journeys that I've done, and I've done quite a number, um, there was a part of me that recognized that I was still here. I wasn't completely off my head. And I've taken a lot. <laughs> a massive <laughs> amount. So I never lost myself completely. So there was always that presence of, of I'm here. But it bypassed the ego. It bypassed the defenses. It, de- it bypassed the coping strategies and coping mechanisms and got in symbolic form to whatever you need to deal with at that moment. So if I needed to deal with healing from, I mean, I'll take you through my first medicine journey was uh, I had, uh, I had recently had an abortion Mm -hmm. um, and that was, I chose to have the abortion, whether or not I 
whether or not a woman woman cho chooses it, it's still a very painful thing to go through. Right. Um, so emotionally, I was grieving. I was grieving not only the abortion that I had, but I was also grieving um, my relationship with my mother, which has never really been that great. Mm -hmm. And then I was also grieving, or maybe I was um, working on this thing of rejecting myself as mother. So there were multiple levels of emotions that were going on. And I did the medicine journey in Sedona. And I remember having this experience where what I saw was almost this womb. I was inside of the womb hugging myself. Mm. And in that moment, I recognized that this whole time I had been pushing myself away. I had been rejecting a part of myself that was mother energy, let's say. And the reason I did that was because I rejected my own mother and I felt rejected by my own mother. And so I never wanted to be that. So, but, but not, by not being that, I was also rejecting myself. And so as you can imagine, when you reject any part of yourself, when you disconnect from any part of yourself, there are emotional, psychological, and even physical issues that you have to deal with. So in this medicine journey, I was able to see that clearly I was able to see it like a movie was playing in front of me. I was able to feel what that felt like. The medicine journey lasted maybe six-ish hours, seven-ish hours. And then there's a time of integration where I work with my teacher um, for a few days. And then, of course, after that, I have to do the work. Yes. The medicine is great because it removes the ego it removes the conditioning and it gives you the clear picture but that's not the end of it you have to then go on and do the work to integrate whatever the lessons were right so to your point of like that people want to do it and they're gonna it's gonna change their whole life you will get you will probably get some great insights and then you have to do the work was in your case it seems like that symbolism was clear to you Right. You yeah. saw it. You understood it. I've heard other people that they, they saw things, but they weren't quite understanding why they uh, were seeing it. Is that on, is that a person to person case? Is that different for, you know, different people? What, what's going on there that your symbolism was so clear and you took it, were able to do something positive where others just have a trip and it's like a fun thing almost. They don't, you know, they yeah. saw some crazy things and then just go on with their lives almost. And it doesn't seem like that symbol came to them as clearly of what they should do. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I would, I would question if someone was having a lighthearted, great, <laughs> great experience in a setting of healing, they're probably not doing the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they probably didn't even start the work <laughs> when they got there. They were probably like, I just want to go trip balls. But <laughs> that's one thing. The other thing with the, with the um, symbology stuff, like I've learned to read my, my mm -hmm. symbology. I've done dream interpretation myself. I, I'm pretty aware of what these things mean for me. So I already went into having this understanding. The thing that I can say is that what is true is the feeling of it. The, the symbols are just the way that your um, subconscious is trying to explain the feelings to you. So I'll give you an example. I worked with a woman who, um, she had a feeling uh, that she had possibly been molested as a child. She had no memory of it. It was showing up in her body in terms of tension, like that, that you could see her body was constricted. We did medicine journey and she um, saw a visual of the molestation and she felt whatever that feeling was. Now, I can't say yes or no, she was molested based off of that. What I can say is that feeling that she experienced on the medicine journey 
was a feeling she had felt before. And her brain was trying to, her subconscious was trying to tell her in a way that her intellect could understand it. It's like, okay, you had this feeling. What's a, what's a scenario I can play for you to get you to understand it? Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? It's, it's not necessarily the, it's the feeling that you want to connect to within the medicine journey. And the visual is the, like, that's, those are the details of it. Right. And of course, I I think you need to go in with an intention and then there's interpretation and you need to understand yourself. And that's, that's a big part. I think of healing in general is understanding yourself, keying into some certain things that you see over and over the lessons that need to be learned. Now, when, if you're going through this and you're getting those kind of hints at something, are, is it necessary sometimes to have multiple journeys to keep opening doors? Or is it, some, or is it like a, during your journey, you should be given the, the clues and the answers during it and others are not necessary? I mean, I think that's more of an individual choice. What I could say is you're not getting all the answers in one medicine journey. Yeah. So, I mean, just like healing, you never get, it's not like here's your list and now work on this for the rest of your life. (laughs) Because I think that's what a lot of people think. They're just like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to have this revelation and all will be well. I will raise my consciousness to so high and I'm going to be above this (laughs) earthly world and live happy and healthy. I mean, that is a little (laughs) bit of the narrative I've heard from some people. I'm like, bullshit. I'm sorry. I got to call it out, man. Nothing works that way. Yeah, it, that's not uh, that's not at all how it works. It will again, it will give you what you need in this moment. You have to do the work, and then if you want to go deeper, you go deeper. And there's always going to be layers. There's always going to be layers that are coming off. Um, so, yeah, like in an ideal world, if you are really looking to heal yourself. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be more than it wouldn't be one time. It would probably be a number of them over an extended period. I mean, I don't mean like every weekend. I mean like you know, you might do one a year for a number of years, or you know, whatever it is. But your your healing doesn't happen instantaneously. You might have epiphanies instantaneously, and those things you can use to develop the you know total healing program around yourself, but. You're not getting every. You're not getting all the answers in one go. Sure, definitely not. And that makes sense. That that is healing in a nutshell. It's never one. It's peeling back layers, and and your subconscious deals with that as well as your exactly. conscious level. Yeah. How important is it to have a guy that you trust or, or or a guy that understands what they're doing? Is that like number one, even no. above what you're taking? Number one, number one. Yes. You have to feel safe. I remember having this conversation with someone, their friend did mushrooms, not, not in a, uh, you know, healing setting, but like just for fun. And then went to uh, Times Square and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) you have just set yourself up (laughs) for a horrible trip. (laughs) If you're from New York, Times Square is the last place you want to be any like sober draw anything. So why would you go there tripping? <laughs> so um, I think the person that you work with is of utmost importance because they're going to be the ones who are providing the container for you. And mm. you, you want them to be able to hold the space for whatever you have to go through. You have to trust that if and when it gets down to some deep grief or pain or hurt or whatever emotion that is buried somewhere inside of you, that this person can stay there and hold that for you as you go through it. And if you don't have that container, that's, that's going to cause other issues. It's going to, especially while you're in the medicine, especially while you're, everything is your perception is very different. If you don't feel that safety, I mean, it's just like, if you think of it kind of like um, a parent and a child, if that child doesn't feel safe to explore, they're not going to explore. And so in that capacity, a shaman is almost like your energetic parent. They're like, I have you. 
you can do whatever you need to do and I'm still going to have you. I'm still going to be here and I see you. And so that's why I think it's really important to trust the person that you're doing it with. Yeah. So would you recommend building a relationship with that person beforehand? You know, sometimes you just have a feeling, oh, I, you know, I've heard they're good people. I, I hear this sometimes when people go on these journeys and yeah, they're recommended they're good people. I'm just going to go do it where I was like, well, do you really know them? And maybe you do that. But even I say in medicine, you know, you go in, you don't actually perform treatments until you build a little bit of a relationship with a doctor. At least that's the way I see it at our clinic. You have a few meetings and then you decide whether you want to go through with it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I've worked with, I mean, my, my teacher, I worked with for eight years. So mm. like there was a trust built up between us. I knew she wasn't going to do anything to hurt me. I've, I've heard of stories of people that, you know, you go to like a yoga studio somewhere and like you do ayahuasca and then like, you know, you go off into the street in New York City and finish your day or, you know, continue. And I'm just like, that's, that seems ridiculous in the context of healing. Yeah. Um, and, and also, yeah, I, I personally like to work with people leading up to medicine journey. You know, it's really funny. This is a difference in men and women. Mo almost all the women I work with, there's no resistance. So I can say something to them. And they might not completely understand it yet, um, but they don't outwardly reject it. Men are so fucking resistant. They of course we are. Are so <laughs> resistant. And it's so ego. It's so much ego. And I get it based off of like their conditioning. They can't be seen to be vulnerable. And like I completely understand that. But just sitting there, I had this conversation with someone that I'm going to do a medicine journey with soon. And we were talking about something and he was talking about these relationships he's in. And I was and and in his words, he says, you know, I think she just thinks I'm not enough. And so I'm like, what that's reflecting back to me is that you don't think you're enough. And yes. he's like, no, I think I'm enough. And he went <laughs> into this whole story. And then we get to another uh, part of the conversation where every person he's ever been with has cheated on him. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not enough. And I'm like, and there we are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so it's like that with men, I find it's very interesting having to like, skirt the ego and <laughs> like how do I get you to see what I'm saying without coming up against the ego um so and so to your point especially with men I feel like I need to put in some work leading up to it so I know what their ego looks like when it's coming like I worked with this one guy and anytime I saw his ego I was like give me 50 push-ups and he would do 50 push-ups. He would come back and he's like, okay. <laughs> but it's like, there has to be some way to break through that ego. And, and to do it in medicine journey is, you know, okay, we can do it that way. But like, let's break the ego first and yeah. then get to, you know, the ego is just your vigilant self trying to protect the vulnerable self. So if we can get past that and just get to the vulnerable stuff, then like it's, you're going to progress faster. You're clearing the path for, for seeing more, right? It's like exactly. detoxing the body before you do any therapy makes the therapy that much more effective. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. the idea. Except with the ego. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can I just, can I choke you? Will that, <laughs> will that do it? <laughs> That's tough. And a lot of people don't realize what the ego is or that it's there or that it's so strong. You just yeah. live with it. It becomes an, and it feeds off of this needing more, more, more. So exactly. it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to break through and, you know, um, breaking a little bit of it down and going into that journey sounds like it could be quite a revelation to many people, especially men. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing, I'm actually doing a men's circle. Um, this upcoming weekend. And I think it's going to be very interesting because first of all, you have a few men in the group. So there's already the like, 
interpersonal competition ego. The machismo so. comes out, a little bit of yeah. chest inflating, right? Yes. <laughs> and like in my head, I'm like, you are all going to be sobbing like little children <laughs> in two hours. Can we just not do this? <laughs> oh God, I wish I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's just really, um, yeah, the ego is, we become, I, we start identifying with the ego. We think yes. it's our personality. And, um, but if we recognize that that personality is just a protective mechanism, then, you know, that makes it, it just makes it a lot easier to work with. It's like, you're coming to me and now you're resisting me. Why? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's the ego. That's your personality, your defense mechanism. And it's like, can we just put that over there for a sec? So it's, it's all a process. And, you know, just like what you do at Innovative Medicine, it's not a end-all, be-all solution to everything, but it is a way to get directly to the thing that you need to focus on in this moment for your healing. Is there anyone you'd say that is not suitable for a medicinal journey? I mean, if they're coming to you and seeking it, it seems that they already have some intention, but where, what other things are almost prerequisites that you'd say would, would be necessary? So, I mean, I first, the first thing is if you're seeking it, there's probably something in that. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, obviously I, I personally wouldn't work with anyone who is on um, psychiatric medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I would work with them leading up to it to see where they're at. I've worked with people who wanted to, to do medicine journey. And after three months of working together, I've decided like, you're not ready to do this. Mm. Um, and so it's really dependent on how receptive I think they are. Right. And you're making a judgment call on that too, right? You're feeling it out and seeing it and you're guiding them because it's not in the end, it's probably your decision, correct? Oh yeah. To to guide them. If you don't, if you say you're not ready, they could say, I want to, but you have to be responsible. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be the one doing this for you. And if I feel like you're not receptive to this yet, then I don't want to take that on. Right. So, and, and I can take on a lot. I am ready, you know, I am ready to deal with a lot of stuff. But if I recognize that there's part of you that just is not ready to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is, not, this is not happening. Yeah. Are you using different uh, substances on these trips, on these journeys? Are you using just medicinal mushrooms or ayahuasca or what, what are you doing? The medicine that I work with with yeah. clients is um, mushrooms. Mushrooms. Uh, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psilocybin. I've, yep. Yeah. I've taken mushrooms, San Pedro, ayahuasca in other ceremonies. So mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced them. Um, I prefer to work with uh, mushrooms myself. Just curious, are there differences to what you experienced and maybe what you've heard from each that will kind of put them in different positions? Yeah. yeah. So it's very interesting. I find with with ayahuasca, ayahuasca is very much grandmother energy. Hmm. Um, she is she is like the all knowing feminine darkness, if you will. <laughs> it's hard to put this into words. Yeah, that sounds but, pretty cool. Um, and it's quite interesting because the first time I have you, you've heard about ayahuasca experience before. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the common narrative is that you purge mm-hmm. physically, you purge emotionally, psychologically, you purge. Um, so the first time I ever did ayahuasca, I was expecting to fully purge. <clears throat> now, granted, I had done eight years of, of medicinal work before doing ayahuasca with mushrooms. Um, But still, I was like, all right, get ready. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) And so the only thing I experienced with ayahuasca that first time was, and it was nighttime, and there I was probably in a group of 20 other people, and I laid there and 
had my eyes closed and the only thing that I experienced was I saw golden light and I felt completely peaceful. There were no other visuals beyond the golden light. There was no other feeling beyond being feeling peaceful. And it was quite interesting because everyone else around me was purging. So like if I listened to them, I would start feeling a little nauseous. But anytime I brought it back to myself, mm -hmm. peace and golden light. And that's been my experience with ayahuasca so far. I mean, I, I have had visuals since then, but it's always been very much, um, she's always been very kind to me. And if I think about it from my past experience, both, both well, my, my uh, mother and her mother, my grandmother, were both very hard women. Um, and so, although I'm sure they loved me, there was no outward <laughs> appearance of love. I could not tell. Um, <laughs> so, so I think again, back to this idea of the medicine gives you what you need, not what you want. I was expecting the beating, which would have been consistent with my, you know, my mm -hmm. growing up. And she gave me instead what I needed, which is you need to feel peace, my mm -hmm. little one. You need to feel this safety. And that's been my experience with her. I've never purged. I've never purged with her. Physically, I've, you know, emotionally I'll cry and stuff. Um, yeah. But, but um, so she's been always very gentle with me. So she's grandmother. Uh, San Pedro is grandfather energy. So often done in daytime, starting the ceremony in daytime in the light. Um, that was much more visual to me, um, those times that I do it. Those times are also very physical for me. So, um, so you know when, a, when an animal goes into strip, uh, fight or flight, Mm -hmm. And as soon as they get away from the predator, you'll see them go through this shivering thing to like yes. offlet that, that energy. Yes. In all of my San Pedro ceremonies, it has been that. It's this uncontrollable shivering. And, and it's funny because, you know, your, your part of your brain is still there and you're like, am I cold? What's going on? And you're like, no, I'm not cold at all. It's just my body is going through a process of offletting all the repressed emotions. So in San Pedro, I feel like I'm being held. It feels like my grandfather is holding me and protecting me. That's what mm. the experience is like for me. And then in, uh, with mushrooms, mushrooms has more of um, grandson energy. Mm. So kind of playful, depending on what you need. It, not always playful, um, but it's a bit lighter. It's a bit, um, it's a, for me, it's a bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it lightens the energy rather than like with ayahuasca. It's like, it's very here now, not heavy necessarily, but here. Um, with medicine, it feels like the layers are coming this way. Mm -hmm. If that, again, this is all very challenging to put into <laughs> words. Of course, um, I, I understand. But but I think for for me, those are the differences. I mean, across the board, ayahuasca's grandmother, San Pedro's grandfather, yeah. um, mushrooms are um, grandson, but that's the energy that I feel in each of them. And you're only going with the grandson when you do your journeys? When I work with people. When yes. you work with people, yes. Yeah. When yes. I do, when I work with other shaman, I've done whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, not whatever they're offering, but depending on what it is. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I work. What's the environment like that you like to position people in if you're working with someone? Is, is there a particular environment or is it to each person? How does that work? Because I do feel like you said yeah. Times Square probably is an environment you want to be doing this yeah. journey in. So yeah. what is the ideal environment? 
So the ideal environment is, well, we pass through phases. When I work with people, we usually pass through phases. The first one will be in a safe container. So, I mean, I prefer to go up somewhere in nature, you know, yeah. not in New York City, right. um, somewhere that is not a place that you're familiar with. So not your own house, because then you have connections and memories and we want to create a, a blank space really. Mm. So somewhere out of the city connected to nature, somewhere where we could start out inside and then eventually move outside. Um, and so that, that, transition is very important to me to be able to be safe and because it, it's just like the narrative of of life right you start in the small container of your mother's womb then you're in the home and then eventually you go out into the world and interact with the world and so this is energetically mimicking that cycle um so i've done it um like this weekend we're going up to garrison so I mean, sorry, Airbnb, but sometimes we do it with Airbnbs. <laughs> There's someone right now at Airbnb right. looking into your account. Where is she? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, but the important part is, like, nice container somewhere outside of the city that we have access to then going outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like that would make sense where you're going through that energetic and you want to be away from things there. Yeah. What are your feelings on microdosing? Because I, I feel like a lot of people have been pushing for that as well to, to kind of, is, is that something you have dealt with? I mean, I've personally done it a little bit with mushrooms and um, I don't, I can't really talk too much to it because yeah. I've not experienced it. I, I'm a big believer and I want to experience it, it fully before I comment on it. I've not done that consistently enough to know, to give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, I've heard a lot about it. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't comment on it fully because I've not experienced it yet. Yeah. And for people that are patients going through maybe treatment or something, would you recommend doing this during a treatment or do you have to be at a certain state? Meaning a lot of doctors would probably not recommend this, especially from the conventional side that yeah. they stop their Medicaid or stop some kind of treatment and go there. Yeah. But, you know, I know there are a lot of patients exploring things. Yeah. Is there a way to do this that is still comprehensive? Like if you're getting treatment, IVs and detoxing and everything, would there be a point where you'd say, all right, let's wait, or you could do it during treatment? I mean, I, I guess I would say what kind of treatment. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, if someone is doing chemo and radiation, I would not, <laughs> I would not right. do it. Um, but I think that, you know, I've worked with some physicians who have recommended clients to me, and like we have dialogue back and forth. And, you know, based off of our interactions, if the doctor is like, yes, I think this is somewhat something that they can do at this point, then we can do it within the treatment. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, with people who have tried everything. Um, <laughs> Which is almost everyone out there with chronic disease. <laughs> right. That, um, that, that medicine journey is, is something good for them because you've already exhausted everything else and now let's take a second and look inside and see what you're telling yourself and see mm -hmm. what the issues are and then those are really good indications i mean how amazing would that be somebody comes to me okay i have this this and this okay let's work through this medicine journey these are the symbols that came let's understand the symbols and then i'm like casper this is what this is these are the psychological and emotional things she's working with this is how it's manifesting in her body and now those are those are tools that the doctors can use in order to um give better treatment to them yeah so i i think i mean i don't know how soon that that trajectory is actually you know how 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 uh soon that would happen because i know you know most people are still on on the ledge and or totally against medicine journey yeah um but i see it being a very useful tool for the healing process 
I mean, you've talked me into it a little bit more because, it, it, you know, my, my whole issue with a lot of these things where CBD, you know, or uh, medical mushrooms is people like to use it as this is the cure, the answer to my problems. And I just don't believe there in, yeah. in that at all. And yeah. hearing how you're explaining that it takes multiple tries and you got to do the work still. It isn't that you take this and everything is solved. Yeah. And of course, I, I believe anything that's in nature can help us in some ways, right? Right. It right. could also, you know, harm us as, as everything has polarity in this world. Right. And they are tools, but used properly in the right guidance and understanding yeah. that there is still work to be done. Done. Um, that, that's a big part of it, so. Yeah. You know, so I want to, sh I want to share to that one story I shared with you about the, um, my first medicine journey. And so then of course I had, there was tremendous healing within that time. And then of course I had to do the work after. Mm -hmm. And then many years later, um, I did another medicine journey and it was also related to this idea of mother. And at that time I had tremendous lower back pains. My lower back spasmed in the middle of the night. Sometimes I couldn't sleep. I couldn't touch my toes. It was painful. And so I was on this medicine journey and um, I'm in this sacred circle and I'm laying there and I hear this voice, whoever this voice was, mm -hmm. and this voice said to me, you are mother. And me, my ego self, was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> We've gone through this before. I'm not. <laughs> You're wrong, dear. All right? You're yeah, wrong. Yeah. You got the wrong lady. And then the voice was like, yes, you are. And then me and my ego self was like, literally, I was like a third grader having a tantrum. No, I'm not. And this went back and forth for however long it went back and forth. And eventually, the understanding and when i say understanding i don't mean the intellectual understanding but the embodied understanding hit me that i am mother whether or not i have a biological child mm -hmm. and as soon as i received that my lower back stopped hurting and has not hurt since mm. and so yes you can have things that instantly change in a medicine journey. I'm not discounting that. That has happened personally to me. However, that was one time out yes. of many times. And I would even say that what appeared to be an epiphany within the medicine journey was based off of all of the work that I had previously done. Right. And it finally got to an embodied understanding in that moment. Yeah. So yes, you have epiphanies but it's based off of previous work and there's work going forward. Right. And, and I can imagine that all the work that's put in, it, it, sometimes it is the needle that breaks the camel's back in a sense. So you were just at that point and there was that last piece of resistance that needed to melt away and be like, right. you are mother bitch. Like, listen to me. <laughs> Get it like, through your head. You're like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, if, if, if I could, do a cartoon of that. It was just like me having a tantrum with the universe just looking at me like, just, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. And that's the thing. When, when the ego comes out, I've been told this, when you're having like tantrums with, and someone's having a tantrum, it really is like a little child. You have to see them as that sometimes and treat them as that. You yeah. see these older, you know, people having these tantrums and it is almost like you got to treat them like Chuck. What yeah. can I do for you? Okay. Like, it's okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> and you need to melt that ego because that's what it is. That's what's yeah. coming out. And, and it's, it's amazing when you could break through that. And that's why yeah. I think something like this, a medicinal journey could be an incredible thing to release certain blockages, whether it's energetic, emotional, psycho-emotional. And these are the initiation points of so many diseases that happen. Exactly. And sometimes the last missing piece, you can work on biochemistry and fix it and fix it and biohack yourself, eat well, work out, like get all the treatments, have all the devices. I see these people, but still yeah. struggle because they're yeah. not addressing that last piece. That little bit. And I think that that's why I made the distinction between this intellectual understanding. Like you could have all the knowledge, but until it's in here, you're not getting it. 
Yeah. And so the medicine journey is a useful tool to get it here a little bit more mm. and show you what you need to do in order to get it here more. So. Right. And clearing those blockages. And now yeah. one blockage you're seeing a lot of, and this is to switch subjects now, is, is sexuality. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people are, are out there kind of not understanding where they lie and, and how they are dealing with sexuality, I think. And I do yeah. think that, you know, it's, it's a lot of Americans and a lot of the world right now is, is kind of, you know, suffering with, with an idea of what sexuality should be and repressing certain sexual things. So yeah. tell me about your work, because you are one to make people blush. You are one to just talk straight and shoot the shit when it comes to sexuality. Yeah. And I love it. There is no BS, there is no hiding it. There is no like, let me sugarcoat this for you. No, you're going right in. No, put your balls on my head. No, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All well, listen, I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Oh, <laughs> Just <perked okay>. up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like sexuality is such a misunderstood and mismanaged component to all of humans. Mm -hmm. I have never met a human who has a healthy sexual expression, yeah. myself included. I'm better at it. My dysfunction tended towards the hypersexuality. Mm -hmm. And that's because when I was a kid, I wasn't getting the love that I, you know, I wasn't receiving love from my parents or so I perceived. And I got a lot of attention for the way I looked and being sexual. And so I used sexuality as a way to attract attention, which I misunderstood as intimacy and love. Mm -hmm. So so mine was, you know, mismarried, mismanaged in the opposite way to a lot of people that I see. Most people repress parts. Yeah, you have like hypo and hyper, right? Yeah, and you're exactly. a little hyper. Most people are hypo, are hypo, which is, yeah. And you want that balance almost in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And so the metaphor that I like to use with people to demonstrate this idea is that if let's say you build a beautiful mansion and you forget to add a vital room to it, let's say it's the kitchen, eventually you're going to say, I'm hungry. I need to cook something. And you realize, oh shit, I don't have a kitchen. And so in order to, um, in order to build the kitchen, you're going to have to completely change the format of the mansion. You're going to have to have to change the piping, the wiring. You're probably going to have to get new appliances. In some cases, it's probably easier to just demolish the entire mansion and rebuild. Right. And this is what I think that people do with their sexuality. They're like, they repress it, they repress it based off society, culture, family, religion. You know, we all know why this stuff is repressed. Um, and they want to then piecemeal it in. They're like, can I just put this here? Mm. And I'm like, no, you have to change the way that your whole self is, you have to change your whole identity, basically. And that's mm -hmm. not to say we're throwing every bit of you away, but that your sexual self is a large part of who you are. And if you've been rejecting that part of who you are, that means, your identity is not actually you. What you mm -hmm. take to be your personality is not you. This is the conditioned you. This is the part of you that can't deal with that other part of you because you're ashamed of it or you're whatever the, you know, whatever the negative association you have with uh, sex is. So I think this is really, really important. And this is why I constantly talk about it because Nobody wants to talk about this in healing. Mm -mm. It's like, okay, you're eating right, you're exercising, you're seeing a therapist, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing a, a mind body, you're specialist, you're doing, you know, the the uh, the crystal bed, you're doing all the things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing Everything. all of the things. Yeah. And you're not talking about your sexuality. That's like, if I'm like, all right, we're gonna work on everything but your heart. <laughs> it's a part of you yeah. what are you doing absolutely so i i think that that's that's the you know that's the block i come up against and you know this is a really tough one because it's such a taboo topic 
it's incredibly it's, taboo and we're taught at a young age it's so taboo right yeah even that idea of nudity i know i was just in fire island my niece and nephew they're running around naked the whole time but the whole time the parents like you can't do like put your clothes on like everything i'm like let it be naked it's cool like <laughs> they're just out there having fun and everything it's it's what we are as humans right. thousands and thousands of years we were just naked out there and surviving <laughs> right. and and i don't think there's anything wrong with that you have to admire the human body in all its forms and i know you've done a lot of that yeah. with your shoots and doing the yeah. naked, like which is awesome and, yeah. and appreciating the human body and what it is but as a whole i think society has kind of you know blocked that out and and almost turned sexuality into a negative thing that breeds you know um, violence and other, you, you group it together, which is crazy yeah. to me. Like shooting someone and being naked ain't the same. <laughs> like, yeah. let's be honest. And I mean, come on, who, <laughs> I'd rather see people naked than see people getting shot. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of sit there and, and we yeah. group it. We, we don't say that enough. It's almost right. weird to say, I'd rather see you naked than, you know, with your clothes on. <laughs> <All right>. like, <laughs> and, and I guess there is a little bit of that, you know, idea of there's harassment, all these, and people always group sexuality into a negative when it doesn't have to be, right? So how, right. Do, you, how do we start to change the narrative? Is it just actually having these discussions? I think it is having these discussions. I think that one of the things that I see a lot is blame. And mm. yes, there has been lots of sexual harassment. And no, that's not good. Um, but... We also have to change our relationship with it. And when I say we, I mean everyone. Men have to do it. Women have to do it. Everyone has to do it. When you start working on your own sexuality and what that means and your relationship to it, then all those problems start changing. And it's, it's like, you know, on the one hand, it's a biological drive, right? And on the other hand, society is telling us this is bad yeah so of course we're getting internally conflicted and what does the internal confliction do well it fucks with your well-being emotionally psychologically and physically right if i can um use Ga dr gabar mate he talks about children when they're developing that you have two basic needs outside of obviously like food shelter that kind of thing you need connection mm -hmm and or attachment and authenticity mm. and oftentimes a child unconsciously will choose attachment over auth authenticity because you recognize i need this person to survive they provide me with food and shelter and emotional support <laughs> in quotes depending on who you are <laughs> so subconsciously the child will always choose attachment because it needs to survive. And then what winds up happening is you begin to repress your authentic self. You begin to repress your emotional needs and wants. And eventually what that does, he's studied this his whole life, is the repression of yourself manifests in diseases mm -hmm. or addictions or things like that. Now, if we can take that concept and look at sexuality, children's sexuality right from the beginning is like no don't touch that mm -hmm. no don't do that so already they're programming themselves to reject that authentic exploration of themselves and i don't have kids so like i know it's, it's easier it's easier for me to say like you know you're fucking yeah. kids up um <laughs> but I, I think there's obviously also you don't want an adult just like on the street jacking off. So, you know, you have to be socialized. <laughs> Again, there's a balance, people. <laughs> right. Don't go jacking off in the streets. <laughs> but I think there's probably a healthier way that that sexuality can be approached within the family unit and then definitely within the society, culture, community um, units. Um, Otherwise, that part of you can not only affect your psychological well-being, but it can literally have an effect on your physical body. Right. Just like any other repressed part of you would. If you repress grief, that could show up in your body. If you repress yeah. anger, that can show up in your body. If you 
repress this vital part of yourself, self, sexuality and sexual exploration and sexual expression, that can have a, a physical manifestation in your body. I've had a few women who have had, um, they've experienced, they've developed fibroids, which mm -hmm. I believe they believe is directly a result of um, sexual abuse. Mm. Again, more more studies would need to go into that to like you know mm -hmm. confirm, but there's a clear link there. There's a clear link. So healthy sexual expression is not only a woo-woo concept of like let me rub your yoni. It's a it's a you know it's part of your health. It's part of your overall health. And just like you wouldn't avoid dealing with issues around your heart, you shouldn't avoid dealing with things around your vagina or your penis mm -hmm. <laughs> or whatever apparatus you have. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my two cents on that. <laughs> it makes total sense. That's a huge part of who we are. You said it as biological beings, there is this, you know, drive to procreate to, to just, you know, uh, to get it out basically and, and be humans and be animals, which we are right. in some ways. And, and I think a lot of us have truly repressed that and pushed that down and felt very guilty, felt in negative state, shame and guilt, which you know on Hawkins scale yeah. is very low. That, yeah. is, that is a disease-inducing level of consciousness right. that sooner or later will manifest into some symptoms and disease. And so if you have someone out there that feels that way, that feels a little bit shameful, either about their past or what's going on or sexually, what would be your advice for like even a simple step they could start to do, to start to take, to acknowledge their sexuality and make it a healthy relationship? One of the uh, exercises that I have a lot of people do, a lot of women who have issues around sexuality, um, is what this exercise called aspecting. Have you mm. ever heard of this? I haven't, no. So aspecting is a process where you um, identify and possibly name different aspects of your personality. So an easy one is your inner child. Mm -hmm. um, Another one might be, you know, your sexual being. Another one might be, um, in, in cases with uh, sexual assault, the part of you that has been sexually assaulted. So you identify those different parts of yourself, name them so you can have a conversation with them, and then you have that conversation, but have that conversation through them. So you can speak to, I can speak to them as me, as Stacy, and then, Give them the voice to speak mm -hmm. back. And that I find to be a very illuminating process because, because that stuff is full of shame and guilt and pain and all those negative, negative emotions. We don't want, we often don't want to talk about it. We often don't want to have that conversation because we're scared of what's going to come up. And so, but if you can imagine, if you, if you avoid it, Anything you avoid just amplifies. Anything you resist persists. Yes. So this is just a method of giving voice to that part of you or those part of you, uh, those parts of you that have been ha that have not had voice. Mm -hmm. And once you start that conversation, then you can ask questions. Well, what is, what do you want? What do you need from me right now? And your body will respond. Yeah your body will respond when you have, and when you have a conversation and take it like a three, like you're speaking to a third grader, you know, mm -hmm. like a small child, what do you want? What do you need right now to feel safe? And then you do those things. And so I think that that's a really important step, even before we get to like anything sexual related or any techniques or anything like that. It's like, Let's start having a conversation with those broken parts of ourselves. Right. See what they want, give them a voice, and see how you could start to integrate them back into you. Mm. And what if you're unsure? Because I know a lot of people, even that come into our center and have some psycho-emotional issues that, that stem back further and could be sexually related, but either have blocked them so well and put walls around them that they can't even acknowledge them or, or speak of them or refuse to is, is that something still where you could go into a visualization journey or just kind of deep into yourself and just sit there for a while until 
it comes up? Like what, what's the advice there? Cause I feel like so many people yeah. just don't acknowledge that that is even a problem. And if you're not going to acknowledge the problem, you'll never be able to summon it forward in a sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I work with people who don't think there's a problem, there's two or three ways that I usually look at them. I'm like, your patterns are telling me there's a problem. So you may say to me that there's not a problem, but everything around you is saying there's a problem. (laughs) So that's the first way. Look at your your outward life, and it's going to tell you exactly what the problem is. It's hard to do it on your own. You mm-hmm. usually need somebody to point this out. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the second and third ways are body posture and body movement. Mm. Um, so I can read what their body is telling me. I can read through the stress points, through the rigidity or fluidity of the body, where that stuff is. Again, I wouldn't expect people to be able to do this on their own. You'd want to work with somebody to do this, but. Your narrative, what the words that you're telling me, basically just give me the details. Everything I need to know, I've already read from the patterns in your life and from what your body is telling me. The details are just, you're, you, there's something intellectually that helps when you yeah. tell the details. Um, but in the case of walls, then I would say an exercise they could do is like, well, aspect your wall. What is your wall trying to protect you from? See if the wall says anything back. Um, so you can use that exercise and eventually, you know, and, and there are some people who are just fucking resistant. And <laughs> I personally, I don't work with resistant people anymore. I'm <laughs> just like, I'm not trying to give it, convince you. If you want my help, I'll give you my help. Yeah. And, and I'm okay to have a debate back and forth and, and explain it in details, but like, if your wall, if you're completely resistant, I'm not interested in convincing you. Right. <laughs> so it's probably different at innovative medicine. You probably get a lot of resistance. Tons. Or I don't know. Okay, no, yeah. tons. <laughs> <laughs> you think that people would come and, and already, you know, I heard about it, I did this, I did my research, totally resistant. Just incredibly. <laughs> it's like, why are you even here then, you know? Exactly. Like, if you really didn't want to go see a movie, you went to see it, you're resistant and watching it. Like, why would you go then? Why? Why are we doing <laughs> but, but that's our nature, I think, these days. Yeah. We are resistant. We want to say we're open when sometimes we're not, and we're not picking up on that. And it's so true that you, you have to read your body. It's giving you these signals all the time. As we started talking about the sexuality thing, I noticed myself kind of getting like a little restricted. And that was just, that's my natural reaction, I think, to sexuality, yeah. because there is that a little bit of resistance there. But I noticed that I was like, hold up, like open up Wait again, like stop the little like <laughs> scrunching up in the corner. So let's talk about sex, Stacey. She said balls. <laughs> and again, I think we're just taught that since we were little. It's not like our fault. It's just, yeah, right. like just, I was always told like, don't say those words and don't do those things and don't talk about sex in that way. Right. Like it was a little bit more conservative, stoic, Eastern European upbringing where I was. Right, right. And so I, I realized that. But being aware of it is the first step, I feel. Right. To notice that you're becoming constrictor or feeling a certain way or even closing up or talking differently about a subject means right. there's something going on. Exactly. So exactly. pick up on that and then be able to either look into it more yourself or find people like yourself to help. Yeah. Because yeah. That, that journey alone to get into it and start to peel back what's going on sometimes requires a little help and you could try it your own, but I feel like a lot of times that takes a long time. And and a lot of times you just kind of give up, the ego sort of wins out and you're perfect. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I I was going to say that the ego is, uh, the ego, if you're trying to work on yourself, the ego wants, the ego, ego wants you to stay where you are because it understands where you are. Anything that is unknown is a threat to the ego. And so if you're the ego at this point, (laughs) then it's going to be like an uphill battle. Um, to do it on your own. You need somebody to mirror that. And you can do work on your own. You don't always need someone. But it, there's something very helpful about having that back and forth. Absolutely. It serves as such a catalyst to change, I feel like, having someone else there. Because you're right, the ego is incredibly strong. It does not want to change. As much as you acknowledge the change, it's incredible what the ego do 
the mental gymnastics people are able to do. <laughs> and I know it too, like we've all been there. I'm not yeah, like saying yeah. that, oh, other people are only dealing, we all deal healers, everyone. Oh, yeah. Like we're all humans in the same boat here. And, but, but I've realized that it's, it takes a special, and you already take the step when you reach out and say, I need your help. And yeah. that already starts to limit the ego and what it's going to do. And, and, and you get that assistance from someone else that knows to spot certain things and can absolutely speed up this healing process, process. and getting to know yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it is. the mirror is so important. Otherwise, you're just you're staying within the same shell that the ego is in. So find somebody to work with if it is something that you are looking for. Too. And if you decide to work with me and there's resistance, I will choke you out. <laughs> She'll do it. I will do it. <laughs> she will do it. Don't test her. I don't tell you. <laughs> I've taken down a, a lot of men who are a lot bigger than me. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Stacey, where can people find out if they do want to work with you? If they're listeners, be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, I need to either go on a journey, explore my sexuality, all these things that are so necessary that I think people are missing still. So where could they find out more about you? They could find, they could check out my website, stacyberman.com, S-T-A-C-Y-B-E-R-M-A-N. I just say it like that because everybody always wants to put an E in my e. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Ian Stacy. <laughs> or uh, my Instagram is stacybermanphd. Yeah, you're doing yeah. awesome things. Is there anything exciting uh, you got coming up? I know you launched in Kuwait with your protein yeah. system by Stacy. That yeah. was awesome to see. You're doing all this healing stuff. Yeah. I know you had a TV show, I think, right? That's, that, that's the, the first thing. time you came on, you were just talking about it. And by the way, congratulations. You're the Thank first you. second time guest also. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Amazing on this show, on the podcast. So, but, um, but yeah, what else? Yeah, so I'm doing it. So that, um, that TV show, so we were supposed to go into production April and then COVID happened. And then, um, yeah. So we're hoping uh, to be able to reconvene in September. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to that because that is really incorporating. So all the stuff that I was just talking about, about body, body movement and uh, pattern, movement patterns and self-perception and sexuality and like being present in your body and feeling the feelings. The TV show is all around that. The TV show itself is called The Naked Sessions. Mm -hmm. At least that's the working name. Mm -hmm. And um, the concept is to have people come in, in one by one, Obviously, I will have had an understanding of what their issues are going in. And then we do a photo shoot with them where they're basically getting naked, but I'm guiding them to uh, be inside their bodies, to start moving in different ways, to start embodying, let's say, beautiful or strong or vulnerable or whatever it is that they need in that moment. And through experiencing that, you... I've witnessed before my eyes a complete change in their way of being, um, which of, of course will have physiological changes over the long term, and of course this work to be done afterwards. But it's a, it's just a change in perspective or a an expansion in perspective of the self. And once the perception has expanded, you can't go back to that. So a quick example of this is one of the first photo shoots I've ever done. I had this one woman, she was a mother of, I think, two or three. I think she was in her late 40s. And I said, well, what does your beautiful look like? And she broke down in tears. She's like, I never consider myself beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so she's never had that experience within her body. And so we started moving her and I started asking her questions and show me what this looks like and show me what this looks like. And eventually she was able to get into a pose where she felt beautiful, not here. She felt beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then that was a starting point for, well, how do I do this now in the rest of my life? Um, so it's a, it's a little, it's a show that will only be probably 30 minutes. Um, I'm hoping we do like follow up, <laughs> right. but, but I'm really excited about that. I mean, I think it's visually, the project is beautiful. Um, 
naked photos of, of beautiful women of all shapes and sizes and colors and all that stuff. Um, but uh, emotionally and energetically and healing wise, it's such a beautiful and quite immediate um, transformation that I see. I, I mean, I've, part, I've done the first one, the first one I was one of the models and mm. um, I felt different, but like to hold that container for other people to go through. I mean, for me, it's just like, ah, it's like yeah. what I was meant to do. <laughs> so, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, so. I can imagine that's so liberating and it, it is a healing, you know, uh, experience and then yeah. to guide people through that. So cool. Yeah. So that's, that's the next big thing and um, we'll see what else life throws at me. Yeah. Well, it's 2020, so you could expect that. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have an intergalactic experience. Yeah. Life, life, stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but amazing yeah. things, amazing yeah. things. And, and thank you so much for coming on again and sharing yeah. this. I always have a blast chatting with you and, and talking these topics that are so important and unfortunately not talked about enough. Yeah. and kind of separated from healing and you're, you're doing an amazing job. So keep it up. Thank you so much. I always love talking shop with you and maybe I'll be the next, the first triple guest. <laughs> when something else goes on. Let's set it up. Let's do it. Okay. I, I mean, we have so much we could talk about every time. These are just two. We're, this is the tip of the iceberg of shit we could talk about. <laughs> I have an idea actually that we, we should do, but we'll talk about it off camera. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're awesome. not ready for it yet. <laughs> <They're not ready>. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Casper. Have a good one. It's always a pleasure to speak with someone who not only has the knowledge of specific healing subjects, but the experience as well. Whether it's embarking on a medical journey with psychedelics or being more sexually open and less repressed, healing happens in many forms. There's no magic bullet, but there are plenty of options out there to explore. And that's what this podcast and our mission at Innovative Medicine is. Explore, experience, share, and heal. As you heard, Stacy's all about experiencing and sharing. She's currently writing a book called The Naked Project, Science, Self-Perception, and Weight Loss. And she's also in production with Network TV highlighting her work as a doctor. On top of that, she continues to be a badass healer working with her clients on a daily basis to preserve our greatest wealth, health. Go connect with her at stacyberman.com and connect with us as well at innovativemedicine.com. Until next time, stay healthy, happy, and continue writing your own healing story.